Welcome, everybody, to a very special edition of the Undisrupted Podcast live here at Visti. Uh, we are joined with a very special guest, and before we introduce her, we have a question for you, Adam, first oh, okay. of all. Oh, all right, so you're experiencing the live, in-person. This is uh, kind of our second time doing this. Mm-hmm. What are your thoughts about the in-person conference in general? At the in-person conference, I am so happy that we are back in person seeing real people. It's like, I want to be creepy, but like I can touch a person right now. That is creepy, actually. Yes, Stop yes. that. Yeah, no. <laughs> <laughs> so I'll bring in Amy. This is Amy Jackson, y'all. Um, and you can follow her at? Tech you very much. Tech you very much. Amy, also ask you the same question. Thoughts on in-person. You're back at in-person. We're at Visi at a beautiful Hotel Roanoke. Yes, yes, Roanoke, beautiful. Um, I love in-person, but I do value um, the virtual side of it because we all can't get away. But in-person just feels better because you get to like, I have worked with people for over two years in Visti that I've never seen in person until yesterday. Yeah. Yeah, and I just did a virtual session that was, I did a session that was part virtual, but part in person. And it was fun. It was interesting yeah. because like some of the activities I had the audience do, um, it was interesting doing it verbally and in person. It took them longer than the chat. People were in the chat going crazy over stuff. But the audience was actually struggling. Well, it was different. Remember when we did mm-hmm. the alphabet? She was just in my last session. So a plug for my last session. No, sorry. <laughs> sorry, Adam. <laughs> um, but yeah, I agree. I think that there's something. And we heard it with the audience today when we did our keynote that there's um, there's some people that can't be here that are now here. Right. Mm-hmm. So so that's my follow-up question to you is what do you what do you think the future of the conference is, future of conferences in general? I think it's going to be concurrent. Okay. So I think it'll have to be because educators are going to kind of require it and even um, jobs are going to require it because they can't send all of their staff, but all of their staff needs the experience. And I think that's been like the hardest thing as a leader is I want all of my people to go, but right. I can't afford it for everybody to go in person because of travel or whatever. But if half of them can go in person and half of them can go virtual. Yeah. Especially like this year, we've been fighting with getting substitute teachers. So for someone like myself, you know, people who don't require subs, it's easier for us to go, you know, administrators as well. You know, you can leave possibly and, you know, your. What does AP that say about you, by the way, your job that you cannot have, you don't need a sub. Like I can leave in those schools, still be fine. In fact, it might even run better when I'm not there. Well, cause we're answering emails 24 seven. I mean, that's ultimately like, once you leave the classroom, you're on call 24 seven. I mean, AP, principal, yep. director, coordinator, specialist, whatever, you're on call 24 seven. So we've always been remote, if you will, with our work. We've always, always had to be connected to a device when something's not working they're like oh this isn't working the phones aren't on uh people can't access something so we've always had that thing but i think now with the concurrent it's allowing teachers to be able to hop in during their plan period and and do a, a session i've seen some schools where they've modified their work day where teachers have picked the sessions that they wanted to attend and then they kind of do a coverage within their building nice. to allow them to, hey, if I want to check out Carl Session at 11, but my plan period is not till 1, somebody's going to come Swap in and out. cover me, and then I cover them. So it gives you a little bit more flexibility as far as being able to attend these concurrent sessions. But nothing beats being able to like reach out and touch someone. And earlier, sorry, Ms. Jackson. <laughs> he is for real. <laughs> um, what's uh, <laughs> Oh, I forgot to ask too. Let's tell the audience what you do. Why are you here, by the way? You're not just sitting oh, here, yeah, but yeah, yes. Yeah, yeah. What do you tell us what you do for a living? I am the supervisor of ed tech and programs for the Arlington Public Schools. The mm-hmm. Arlington Public Schools. That's it's official when you put the in yes, front of it. We're That's number two in the state. Cool. We're coming for you, Fairfax. Oh, calling out Fairfax. You hear that out there, Fairfax? Shots fired. Okay. Put it up. Yes. <laughs> With shots fired, Arlington. There's probably a bad pun in there. So I don't want to go there. Um, so, so let me ask you yeah. this. So. Um, 
as we go to these conferences, uh, Carl and I have had this conversation before. Oftentimes, when I'm in the room, and mm-hmm. I, it's happened to me on a few occasions, I've looked around and I'm like, wow, I'm the only black male in this room. Yeah, and yeah. I brought it out to the uh, people hosting it, and they're like, oh, Adam, we didn't even notice. I'm like, okay, well, I did. Uh, so <laughs> let me ask you, have you ever had that same experience uh, being a woman of color, being the only one in the room, or one of you? Yes, that's actually how I got here. Oh, okay. So um, I was originally in Petersburg City Public Schools, and the Richmond area uh, session of VISTE is called Gray Tech. Mm-hmm. And so we were at their annual conference, and it was right around the time that um, Oscar So White was trending. Oh, and yeah. they took a mm-hmm. picture, and Karen said, this is not acceptable. Like, everybody in this picture is a white woman. And so she sent out a form saying, hey, we need to diversify. We need to create a diversity, equity, and task, uh, inclusion task force. So me and my co-chair, Dr. Nikki Dowd, um, at William & Mary, she, um, <laughs> we came in together and we had all these great ideas on how to bridge the gap that we saw because ed tech is so white. Yes. Like, it just is. It is. Um, and so I am frequently the only black woman in the room in a lot of settings. And so our goal through that task force was to start to bring in minority representation in Virginia. And so we sought out um, teachers who wanted to be in ed tech, um, ed tech mentors, people that we could have those crucial conversations with and say, as you are starting to hire people, they need to be brown, they need to be black, they need to be disabled, they need to be women, they need to be um, everything other than just white male. And so it's working in a lot of spaces, Mm -hmm. but it is still, very much a boys club. Um, yesterday in my keynote, I talked about how it's a cement ceiling. It's not a glass ceiling because the first Ooh, thing that I have to break like is the sexism part of it. Mm-hmm, right. And the second thing I have to break is the racism, racism part of it. And, you know, it's just a consistent battle of there's always that, that ceiling that's going to stop me because somebody in the room doesn't believe I belong there. Mm-hmm. And we talked to Jennifer and Brianna on a previous podcast. We talked, uh, I was talking to Brianna Hodges, a good friend of the podcast, friend of ours, and she talked about just the gender bias that happens when, as me as a male and I go out and I'm speaking at conferences, everyone's like, oh, that's great. You're going out and doing that. She went out and spoke at conferences like, who's taking care of the kids while you're gone? But they never asked me that. Yeah. And I and it was a really eye-opening thing for me, at least on the gender side of it. And again, a father of three girls, I'm always kind of acutely aware of it. But how do, how do we break, I guess, this? Because we were talking before the podcast started about how 80% of our field is female, but 80% of the leadership is male. Um, how, what are your ideas? I mean, you talk about a task force, but what are your ideas for kind of breaking through that cement ceiling as you talk about? Is there, where do we start with this? Jackhammer. Yes. How do we jackhammer the ceiling? So it's, it is basically about just fighting against the machine, not really trying to go along to get along. It's no longer about being nice. It's about demanding a seat at the table. Um, and that every time one of us as a minority gets to the table, we bring two more people with us. Um, and that's just how it is. You know, a lot of times people will say that you're really good in your craft and we want you to come. That's your opportunity to say, I will come, but... I'm bringing, you know, these people because these are my people. They are good at um, and just uplifting each other and making sure that when you are in a room of opportunities, you are naming other minority people so that their names can get in those sessions. Um, Karen is like that. Like Mm -hmm. if she is at the table, everybody she knows is at that table and she's going to highlight women and minorities all the time. And to your point, it's like, so with this also, there, there are some allies that you have to have in this process. So, 
as you mentioned, the you know breaking through, it's a whole lot easier to break through when someone who is above it is is breaking it down. Yeah. Right. So you're trying to come up from the from the bottom, and they're at the top breaking it down, yeah. helping yeah. you out in that process. Because you know, as a as a male, uh, a black male, uh, in education, I brought it out a couple times when I go to conferences, and I've noticed that women who were maybe uh, breastfeeding and needed a, a, a yep. location to take care of what they need to take care of. There's not those spaces, those little mommy pods in a, in a venue. They do have them here it at is. this hotel, which, is, which right is amazing. Away. That's awesome. Um, but, you know, you'll go to a place and it's like, okay, if this conference is a teacher-centered conference, and as you mentioned, there's a lot of female teachers in this space, you're not taking into consideration their needs or whatever. So, I mean, whether you're talking about a, a conference or in a school building, like how many school buildings have those places, and, uh, those structures in place? Uh, you know, it's just so many things that unless you have those people at the table to bring it to someone's attention, it, it, it may not have bad intentions, but if they're not thinking about it, then it's like, oh, well, I, it looks normal to me because normal to me may be the absence of you. And when you're there, it's abnormal to me because I'm not used to you sitting at the table with me. Now you're asking me questions and things that you're making me question life at itself. So, but but those are those things that need to happen. You know, we need to disrupt the norm. Um, normal is not okay for everybody because it hasn't been okay for a lot of folks. And I I really think that normal isn't really normal for the majority. Normal is only normal for a set few, and those set few are typically cisgendered white men. Yeah. And so like they're comfortable in every space and it's time for them to be uncomfortable so that we can get to where we need to go because we're not going to move um, my dissertation is on um, imposter syndrome in black women leaders in k-12 through and it, it's just mm. a lot about you know is it us not really feeling like we don't know what we're doing or is it the systemic racism that is fueling our ability to do our jobs well because it's always that stereotype of you're either angry and aggressive or mm. you're the mammy figure, or you know, it, you're the superhero that's supposed to come in and fix everything all right. the time. And so it's like, we are not those people. We are not those stereotypes. Just like every white man is not a Brad. Yeah. You know, like every or white Carl. Or Carl. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I'm sorry. Yes. I don't have a great name for that, but yeah. And it's it's not this idea like, in doing my research, I came across white fatigue. And it, you know, it's like, well, we're just tired of talking about it. Yeah, and I'm tired of living it. Mm, you know, I'm, yes. I'm tired of fighting that fight every day as a woman in tech. Like, I hate that people literally ask me questions like, can you do that? Like, yeah. Yeah. yeah, I can't, probably better than you. But I mean, it's just this all this, this system in place that just is always like, this is where you sit, this is where you are supposed to go, this is how far you can go. And even like yesterday, I talked about how in Virginia, a lot of the male tech directors are tech directors, but a lot of the female people who sit in those top <laughs> leadership positions Curriculum. are not directors. Specialists. They're coordinators, <laughs> specialists, supervisors. Uh -huh. And it's like, how am I not a director mm -hmm. when if a man took my position, he would immediately be made a director? Right. That's the systematic part that always gets me. And I think as a white male coming up to the system myself, it was a lot of like, well, you're the one white male on this campus, so therefore you're the tech guy even though I wasn't, but the system, even the people that are actually in the system that are being oppressed by it sometimes lift it up too because it's the norm they're used to. Mm -hmm. So what you're talking about is shattering through a lot of that and it's being what you don't always see. And I think that's, I, mean, I talked to Rafranz Davis about this years ago and she told me, she said, you can't be what you don't see. And she goes, when you go to conferences and you see that same white haired white male up on stage all the time, if you're 
someone of color, you just can't. You think to yourself, like, is could that ever be me at that point? Right. It can't be because I always see the same person. Well, so one, breaking through that is a huge. It's swing. one of those things. that's very um, interesting. If you ask students and find a picture of insert whatever a scientist, find me a picture of an astronaut. Look at wh what they pull up. Are they going to pull up somebody who looks like them? Them meaning if I'm an Indian student, if I'm a, if I'm a Latino, right. am I going to be? Am I going to find a Latino scientist and pull that up? Like, oh, this is uh, when I look up scientists. This is what I pulled up. Or am I going to pull up a white male? Or am I going to pull up Albert Einstein or something right. like? You know, do I know any scientists or any doctors or any people who look like me? So it's it's very interesting that we kind of have create our own reality around what normal is even if you're in this you're in this system you're in this matrix if you will and it's like this is normal it's normal when i see this and it's abnormal when i when i see myself because it's like i'm not used to seeing people who look like me in this because it would blow my mind honestly carl if i went to a conference and i saw all black if i was brown, a, if i was a unicorn right yes, right um tech directors it, it would blow my mind. I wouldn't know how to act. I'd be like, oh my gosh, what's going on? What's going on? <laughs> well, it starts with children. I mean, I, I've talked to Ken Shelton about this a number of times. And he talks about children's literature too. And 70% of the protagonist characters are always a white child, right? Um, and sometimes you'll get now some cases where they're starting to change some of that in books, but it's not being rejected, but it's just being thought of as different. And people, of course, freak out. They're mm -hmm. like, oh, you're, you're whitewashing history. No, we're not. We're actually leveling the playing field like the way it should have been. But it's still funny to me that I get, we get in arguments all the time. And I'm Texas, mind you is not always the most progressive state. So we're always trying to trying to level set that. But I think it's like it's small incremental changes and the things you're talking about is a big part of it. So for um, a classroom teacher out there listening right now who maybe is aspiring to do something different, to take on that leadership role, what advice would you give them? Um, the first I, advice I give them is to tweet me a direct message so that I can put them into the mentorship program through VISTI um, so that they can get paired with a ed tech leader in Virginia so we can... Um, groom them into being a tech leader themselves and get them in front of conferences and um, in the right places so that we can get them into position. Um, the second thing that I would tell them is just be you. Be authentic in who you are and own your craft and make sure that you don't allow anybody to dull you um, as you are on your journey. And remember that being you doesn't mean be mean. It just means owning who you are and knowing that you have places to grow, but you also are the master of your craft in certain areas and to live in it. And where can they tweet you? At Tech You Very Much. So, so let me ask you this: like, go back to the classroom piece. Have you noticed uh, a difference in what students have been able to create or do with technology as it relates to representing their their, their true self as it relates to technology? Because oftentimes, you know, the projects and things that we have with students may not be necessarily relevant to their experience, or their standard of living, or, or their environment. Have you seen? It? In your experience, a shift or a change of anything of people being more aware, um, and if not, you know, what are some things that people can do to become more aware or make becoming more uh, culturally represented? Exactly yeah. of, of what they're doing in a classroom. I think um, I think we're trying to get to a place where we're culturally responsive, and one of the things that I talk about in my um, class for UVA Wise is that um, being culturally responsive is not about being highlighting minority representation. It's about being culturally responsive to the people in your class. Mm -hmm. So if your class is all white, all rural, you're gonna be responsive to them and the culture that they understand and that's how you're going to connect with them. 
if you are in an inner city where you have minority students, mm -hmm. you're going to think about their culture and how to make it relevant for them. If you're in the suburbs, you're not going to talk about rural because right. those kids don't understand that. They don't understand what it is to rope a cow or to be in 4-H or to mm -hmm. show a pig. Um, they are going to know other things, and you have to be able to highlight those things for them and allow them to explain their knowledge through the things that they are comfortable right. with. And it's just, it's not, we aren't whitewashing anything and we're not, you know, trying to take over anything. It's really just about saying, okay, kiddo, how do I get to you so that you can give me what I need? Because at the end of the day, my goal is to make sure that you understand this, this application of this content that I'm teaching you, not whether or not you understood, you know, why Scout did what she did mm -hmm, and when mm -hmm. Dixie it's really about you being able to tell me who is the main idea what were the character traits you know how did we move through the story how did the author provide those things so that you can take that knowledge and expand it everywhere else that's a big part of it. you have to reach I mean I think you have to make that connection before kids can learn you have to have a connection mm -hmm. with them which means you also have to listen to them right. to get that to have them also lean in towards you and get that get that learning to make it happen I think one of the other things that a lot of people try to do to make things culturally responsive is kind of the culture vulture. You don't have to floss to connect with I don't have to make a rap song. I don't have to dab. You yeah, that's do, awful. Do put not. my hat on backwards and say, yo, kids. As a black woman, we have never flossed in my classroom. <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> number one, I can't do it. So no, there's okay. that. Breaking the but, two by four. That's what you do. Yeah. I saw that and I was like, I'm going to practice that later. But it... I taught a heavy ESL population, and I did not disrespect their culture by trying to make myself a part of it. Mm -hmm. I allowed them to let me into their culture as they felt comfortable. Uh, I, love I, I love that, yeah. <laughs> you know, it's all about, because I, I said it in my last session with the group, you know, in the classroom, creating those mirror and window opportunities for your students. Mm -hmm. uh, I know for me, uh, teaching where I, I've taught in Georgia, it's a, a situation where a lot of students are trapped, if you will, by what their mom, dad have ex given them exposure to. And so sometimes you have to open them up to, okay, not every person may fall under this stereotype that you may see. We're not trying to change their, you know, liberalize, you know, their kid or anything. It's like, hey, we just want to know, but you know, there's other things out there other than what you have just seen at your house. Let's just give you more literature. Let's give you more uh, technology ac activities. Uh, collaboration, pairing you up with different students, uh, even looking at how technology can allow you to bridge the gap between different campuses and yeah. working with students. Because we, are, you know, oftentimes you hear about teachers wanting to do things with another country. It's right. like, okay, let's let's how about let's do it within our yeah. own area. One side of town to the other yeah. side. Yeah. How about one classroom to another classroom? Yes. <laughs> I mean, yes, yeah, right next door to each other. You have your door closed and you don't know what's going on right next to you. So speaking of finding literature and finding work where can people find more information besides just your twitter account which is great too is there, where else are you posting all of this the content that you're, you're putting out there are you blogging or what are you doing i mean think i can kind of take a, a university class with you yeah i know right they can they can take a class with me um at uva wise i teach uh diversity in the classroom course for them i will start back up in the spring awesome. um i also um own um adequately guided education um uh, it is on, you can, my 12 year old told me I was Googleable, so you can Google me <laughs> um, and find me. I do not have the um, patience or follow through to blog. <sighs> I start, I have several blogs I've started and they last it's about a month and a half and I'm like, people do this 
every week or every two weeks. I was like, I don't have anything do you, to say. Do you podcast? I do not. This could be I a, this hate could, my voice. No. Oh, lovely voice. We, lovely need, to voice. Hear, we yes. need to hear from more voices like yours. I think yes. that's what's important. Hear so. the voice. We need to read a book about you, of you. Yes. You all can read my dissertation, um, KL May 2022. You can get it on ProQuest. I'll make sure that the Virginia State University post it. Yeah, we'll, we'll add it on the on the link. Links, that's yes. right. I know she's emphasizing the a lot. That's like yes. the Ohio State University. Yes, the yes, Virginia. yes. Okay, I got it. <laughs> well, this has been a pleasure having you on the show. Thank you so much. This has been the Future Ready. Ah, this has been the Undisrupted ah. Podcast brought to you by Future Ready Schools. He's Adam, and you can follow him at Ask Adam 3 And he's Carl, and you can follow him at Mr. Hooker. And remember, ladies and gentlemen, we are better together. And we are better undisrupted. undisrupted. This podcast is made possible by the generous support of Amazon Web Services.